Welcome back. Hey, let me give you a few quick announcements. If you're new here, we have email list sign-up sheets over there and also a small group uh, sign-up list if you want to get plugged in with the C group. Uh, we have those going on. Also, uh, our men's group, we've mixed that in with our men's ministry here at ECC. And then I'll start back up on the 27th. But uh, we have grad student groups, girls groups as well, so you can get plugged in over there. Um, we've also been announcing our spring break mission trip, which sounds super appealing when it's so freezing out. <laughs> spring break. Um, we're going to Mission Emmanuel in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. And uh, it's great. This is a ministry partner that we went on a trip with two spring breaks ago. And then our high school actually sent a mission team there last summer. And uh, Andrea was on that trip. And anybody else? Brittany? Good times. You don't want to miss out. So uh, check out the info. We've got it over there on that table. If you have any questions, come chat with me. Our deadline is the 24th because we've got to order our plane tickets. They say six weeks out is the ideal window, guys, to order plane tickets. So I hope you learned at least one thing tonight. Um, <laughs> plane tickets, six weeks out. Let's close in prayer. Um, just kidding. <laughs> uh, so what else do we have? Oh, here's something that someone from our church asked me to share with you. This is kind of a random announcement, but if there's anyone who's looking for a job, we have someone at our church who's looking for help with childcare three afternoons a week from uh, 4 o'clock until 5.30 or 6. You need to have a car because you pick these kids up with, at the bus stop and then take them home and wash them. Uh, it's two boys. I think one is like four to six-ish, and the other is like uh, 20 or so. <laughs> He's like 11. Um, but they're these kids, and they will pay you real money. So come watch them. Um, so tonight, guys, I have to tell you, this is my fourth year here at ECC doing college ministry, and I have learned that when you're coming back from break, that's not a good time to start a new sermon series, because you never know who's on the road, and... Um, so tonight, I want to give you guys a special bonus sermon uh, with some words of encouragement. This is like a behind-the-scenes thing that only the patrons who contribute cash to Connection get, you know? I don't know if any of you listen to podcasts. Any podcast fans? They're often like, oh, if you're a patron of our show and you donate a dollar a show, we'll give you bonus content. And so you guys are like the patrons getting bonus content with tonight's sermon. Now that joke makes a little bit of sense. <laughs> and so tonight I want to give you some words of encouragement on how to live out your faith in Christ, how to pursue growth in Christ in 2016. Uh, we're going to be studying Psalm 63, and I'm really looking forward to that. So why don't we have a word of prayer before we begin? Father, thanks for tonight. Thanks for the opportunity to come together and just uh, be with friends, Christian friends. God, it's so good to be back together. Um, you created us for community. We can't live out our lives of faith alone. And so, God, I just pray that in this place, uh, whether it's through time of greeting or uh, before or after service, eating dinner or whatever, that you would just encourage us while we're here, that you would build us up. And uh, we pray that you build us up right now as we study your word and we look at um, David's expression of his faith in you, his understanding of your love in Psalm 63. God, would you speak to our hearts and equip us to live out our faith as followers of Jesus Christ here and now. And we ask this in your holy name. Amen. Uh, before we dig into the text, I want to share with you the whole idea of New Year's resolutions. It's, uh, it's something that kind of, it gets me every year. I'm like, oh man, what resolutions do I want to make? But it's so silly because I know that 90% um, of us actually aren't going to keep our resolutions. 
It's one of those things. You can't help but do it because the idea of it is like, but what if this is the year? What if I can really do it this time? It just keeps me coming back for more. Uh, listen to these top resolutions for 2016. The first one uh, is save more money, spend less money, which is a great resolution after Christmas. Um, the, second, the, the second one is spend more time with family and friends, which is a funny one for me because I just had a lot of time with family and friends, and they were great, but I sure am glad to be home. And uh, that distance can be nice sometimes. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, the third one, lose, lose weight. Uh, which is actually a drop from first to third for this year. Um, we must have done really well last year. Number two is live a healthier lifestyle, which is zero fun. And number one is enjoy life to the fullest, which I think is the most lame resolution ever. It's so fabulous. How can you know if you're really succeeding or not? Like, man, am I living life to the fullest? Um, I feel like those are the kind of resolutions we need to pick if we're going to get to the end of the year and really be satisfied with our progress because what it comes down to is we just don't have the willpower to constantly discipline ourselves by just trying really hard. We just don't have that kind of willpower. Eventually, we just get tired of it. Um, I don't want to live a healthier lifestyle all the time. Uh, I don't want to save money. I want to go to Starbucks as many times a week as I can get away with. Uh, so resolutions, man, they're a tricky thing. It's a, it's a predicament because we want to be better, but sometimes our aspirations to change our behaviors just don't accomplish what we would hope. And so I imagine many of you like me, if your faith in Christ is something that's really important to you in the way that you live your life, you have goals and aspirations for things you want to accomplish in your life of faith this year. And I know that when I think about the goals I have, they've often been formed as a result of shortcomings I can see in my past. Areas where I didn't quite do the things that I thought I wanted to. Uh, areas where I didn't discipline myself, where I wasn't consistent in spiritual disciplines. Doing what I needed to to really grow, to really thrive in my faith. Uh, to flourish in my relationship with the Lord. And so as I think about some of those areas where I've fallen short in the past, I'm led to realize ways that I would like to structure my time, uh, prioritize my life in order to get to the end of this year and say, man, God, by your grace, I've grown in you, and I'm really thankful for the way that you've allowed me to pursue you with my heart. And so that's what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. Not so much making new resolutions with your behavior, but... Uh, Check out this wordplay. I'm really excited about it. Not a resolution of your behavior, but a revolution in your heart as Christ turns your heart inside out, as you learn to love him more, to pursue him more. Um, so uh, that's, my, that's my catchphrase for tonight. We want a revolution of the heart, not resolutions of our behavior. And as cliche as it is to talk about this at the beginning of the new year, this is a powerful time. When we're beginning a new semester or a new year, we have these opportunities to make changes. Hey, Quinn. Oh, that's, I was thinking that was a speaker or something. This projector is making some loud noise. If it explodes, I apologize. <laughs> there might be a hoverboard up in there that's ready to explode. Uh, so new beginnings. It's a powerful time. And so I want you to think about a few questions here. First of all, where do you want to be in your relationship with Christ at the end of 2016? In what ways do you want to grow? In what ways... Do you want to serve? What do you hope to learn? What challenges are you going to take on this year as you live in faith? And these are important questions for us to consider. How are we going to approach our faith 
with the right frame of mind so that we can get to the end of the year and be satisfied with what God has done in our lives? What frame of mind do we need to approach this year with as we think about how we want to grow, what we want to learn, how we want to serve God? And so we're going to look at Psalm 63. And the context of this psalm, just to give you a little bit of background, this is a psalm of David, uh, King David, the guy who got Goliath. Um, and this is at a time in his life when he was fleeing from Saul, uh, as Saul was fearful that David was going to overthrow him as king. And so David is in the Judean wilderness. I want to show you guys a picture of the Judean wilderness. It's pretty, uh, it's a pretty place. We're not taking our spring break mission trip there, but if it was, I imagine you'd want to go. It looks like a great place to take a hike for an afternoon, doesn't it? But I think it also looks like a terrible place to live for any extended period of time. Um, what a great place to hide. It's totally inhospitable. Uh, there's very little water. There are all kinds of caves. And so it was a great place for David to hide uh, when Saul wanted to kill him, but it's a terrible place to live. There were very few routes that people could travel through this land. And so people wouldn't have wanted to pursue David there for a long time, but the real downside of that was he actually had to be there himself in order to be safe. Uh, so this was a really uncertain period of time in David's life where I'm sure he was wondering why God had him there, just hoping that God would get him out of there. He's not only fearful for his life, but this is just a, a rotten place to live, um, though it is beautiful in kind of a strange way. And so his life is in jeopardy here, but this psalm that we read, 63, is David's kind of raw expression of faith in God in the midst of what he's experiencing. Uh, these circumstances, they're totally out of his control. And so let's read this poem here that he writes, Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals, but the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. I feel like I need to say, this is the word of the Lord. And you all say, thanks be to God. Amen. And so this psalm we read here, we started off with this phrase that is both really simple and really profound. He says, you God are my God. He doesn't say, you, God, are my good luck charm. He doesn't say, you, God, are my homeboy, as has been on t-shirts from time to time. He doesn't say, you, God, are my sidekick who helps me out when I just feel like I need it. And he doesn't even say, you, God, are the basis of the philosophical framework by which I govern my life. Um, you, God, are my God. He's saying, God, you are absolutely in control. You are in control of all of my life. My life is in your hands. You are the authority over it. You, God, are my God. And so David is recognizing is that God is at the center of the whole world in his own life. God was in control, even though David's circumstances were completely out of his control. Everything that was going on, God was in charge of it, even in the midst of the uncertainty, even when it appeared totally otherwise. 
And so David knew that his life was in God's hands. And this psalm makes it really clear here that David believed that was actually a really good thing. We see, look, it says, earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you. A literal translation of that word earnestly here is actually early. You could read that early in the morning, I seek you. First thing in the morning, he's saying, I turn to you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but that's what I'm thinking about coffee when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Uh, especially with Starbucks Christmas plan. My wife and I ordered five bags of that online. Uh, and we'll be drinking it through April. Uh, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. That's what David writes about God. You're what I know I need as soon as I wake up in the morning. As soon as my brain switches on, it's like a drink of water. I need you, God, if I'm going to get through the day. He's so desperate for God. He can't help but think of him. He can't start his day without the thought of relying on God's presence and provision over his life to sustain him. And so David's devotion here, his reliance on God, it's not out of this feeling of obligation that this is just the right thing for him to do. Uh, it's out of an understanding that God's sovereignty over his life is something that he has to acknowledge if he's going to make it through his circumstances. And the reason is because David is well aware of his deep need, his deep need spiritually, his deep need for a provider, his deep need for someone bigger than himself to be over his story. And he's found that in God. And verse 2 shows us how. Where did David come to this conviction? He says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. So what David is writing about here, he's saying that his experience in the past, his experience worshiping God in the tabernacle in Jerusalem, that was Israel's holy place of worship. The nation of Israel centered in Jerusalem. They worshiped in the Holy of Holies, the tabernacle. And so being there, experiencing God in worship, and then reading about God's character and his works as displayed in Scripture, this changed David's outlook on life. And how did it change his outlook on life? We see it there. It led him to see how big God's love really was. And so this sovereign God, this God who's over all of creation, who's powerful, who's glorious, David's experience of him led him to know this God's love. He says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. That's a serious statement. Your love is better than life. There is nothing more valuable to David than knowing the love of God. Nothing else compared to him. There was nothing that had a hold on his heart more. Think about that line. Your love is better than life. Man, I can't say that I always live like that is true myself. Your love, God's love is better than life. What are the things that compete for your heart? The things that you feel like, oh man, if I had this, then I could finally rest. If I had this, I'd have peace. I'd have satisfaction. I have joy. My hope, nothing could change that if I had this. David says, there is nothing in this world, there's nothing in this world that can touch God's love because God's love is better than life itself. Without God, life isn't even worth living. God's love is better than life. And so David knew that. But we have to be honest here. If you know the story of David, you, you have to be thinking, well, I guess you forgot that, David, when you went and slept with Bathsheba and then had her husband murdered so that it wouldn't be found out. Um, ouch. You're right. Uh, so we see this inconsistency. But what it comes down to, 
is David was not a sinless man, but David was a repentant man. When he sinned, when he strayed from following God's ways, he recognized his error. He mourned his he mourned his mistake. He came before God, admitted the error of his ways, and brought that before him, asking for mercy. And he turned back to God in genuine repentance. And so, as we read this, we can know that God's love for us will never change, because God's love for David never changed in the midst of his sin. Some absolutely egregious sins. God's love for David didn't change with him mistake with his mistakes. Although there were consequences for his sin, God's love remained constant. And so we all struggle against the temptation to find life and desires that reflect an idolatry of the things of this world. And there's no shortage of created things to keep us busy, right? I mean, we think of things like pleasure, like wealth, things like notoriety, we can find ourselves feeling like, if I just had a little more, then I could rest. We find ourselves looking to things to fulfill us that will never be able to do that. Financial security. A sure idea of how our future is going to play out. Man, that was something I wrestled with when I was in college. I wanted to know what was next so bad. I did everything I could to make it work. But I had to learn to trust God to direct my path, to be my provider, to know where I needed to be and how to get me there because I couldn't force it. And man, when we try and be the ones in control of our lives, we absolutely drive ourselves crazy. Um, good thing, like David says, there's a God who's over them and he's fully good and he's fully wise. But there's no shortage of temptations to distract our hearts. But David says there's nothing on this earth that compares to knowing God's love. There's nothing that compares to knowing him, to enjoying him walking in relationship with him and following him in faith and obedience. And so, I want you to think about that. What are the deepest longings of your heart? Where are you putting your hope? What do you need to be satisfied? And so, the challenge of this psalm, the one I laid out for you as we were beginning, isn't one to make resolutions of our behavior, but one to allow God to throw a revolution in our hearts by changing our affections, by turning our lives upside down as we shift away from these idols of the world that will never satisfy us and towards looking for life in the one place it will actually be found, true life and God our Father. And so God's love for us is something that we can have a solid hope in because it is a committed love, it's a deep love, and it's an ultimate love. We can trust in it because God himself, as we've talked about throughout uh, the Christmas season, as you've heard proclaimed, the good news, God sent his son to earth. He lived a sinless life. He's a perfect example for us, but more than that, he is our savior. That when we trust him in faith, we're granted eternal life. We're given his spirit inside of us to make us holy, to live the lives of service he's created us to live until he comes again. Man, we have such hope in Christ. The love of God for us is real. The love of God for us is a promise. It's nothing that can ever be taken away from us. And so, that's the challenge I want to give to you this year. As you pursue growth in Christ in 2016, remember God's love for you. Root yourself in it. Put your trust in what he's done for you in Jesus, in his birth, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. Because that's the full scope of God's love for us. There's no better image of God's love for us than the life of Christ. And so, 
think about this. Imagine how different life could be for us this year if God's love for us, for us in Christ was the first thing on our minds when we woke up in the morning. If it was a lens that colored everything that we saw, the people we interacted with, the way that we view our circumstances, if we knew that God was over every single moment, if we knew that his love for us was unchanging, that there's nothing we could do to lose it. Imagine how that would change the way that we live this year. Don't you want that? Um, I know I want that as I pursue growth and my relationship with God this year. God's love for sinners and his provision of grace for us in Jesus is a huge deal for us, and it's a huge deal for our world. And if we're going to be able to share the good news, we need to be people who are changed by it ourselves. We need to be people who are changed by the gospel, people who are so deeply affected by the love of God that we can't help but let his love overflow from within our hearts. You know, something I've come to learn in my walk of faith with God is that oftentimes I want to say, what do I need to study? Um, what do I need to do to grow? And often the answer for that isn't that I need to gain some new knowledge. It's that I actually need to allow my heart to be changed by the knowledge that I already have. And there is no more powerful knowledge for us as followers of Jesus Christ than the good news of God's grace for sinners and his love for us that is constant and unchanging. Our hope for all of eternity. Let that affect your heart. Know that there's nothing you can do to make God love any more than he already loves you in Christ. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any less because your record before him is based on God's work on your behalf in Jesus. Let that love affect you. And take that with you. And so, let me wrap up by just giving you a few quick uh, tips or highlights on ways that you can pursue this kind of faith in Christ in 2016. And the first one is that I want to encourage you to be devoted to praise, um, to being in worship. David says there in verse 4, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. And so I want us to recognize right now that praise is actually a spiritual discipline, because it's in praise that we come before God and we acknowledge who he is and we acknowledge what he's done. And so God is fully worthy and deserving of our praise. That's absolutely true. But we also need to know that praise changes us because when we come to God and we see who he is, we acknowledge what he's done, we can't help but be changed by that ourselves. We need to speak those words of truth. We need to allow our hearts to be affected by them. We need to be in it together too and to see other people walking this out because we can't do it on our own. So we all need to be in praise. Let me encourage you um, to be in worship, whether that's here at Connection or on a Sunday morning or sometime during the week. Obviously, y'all are very busy. You have a lot to do, but make a priority of that. You'll never regret this. You'll never regret time praising God because he'll meet you in it. He'll recenter your perspective on all of life as you come to him and you worship him. You acknowledge who he is. I also want to encourage you to be devoted to being in the word this year. God's Word, our time in Scripture, studying Him, it shapes us, it teaches us, it guides us, it encourages us, and corrects us, and we absolutely need to be in the Word. We can't thrive in our faith without it. There have been times where I've wanted to grow in my faith, but I haven't committed myself to being in the world, uh, being in the Word, pardon me. And I have to tell you, it just, it's hard. It's a hard road. If you're not in the Word, man, it's really hard to grow in your faith. I've uh, spent a lot of time browsing the internet in my life, 
I spent a lot of time watching episodes of Family Guy and thought, wow, how did I just watch five episodes of Family Guy? I really regret that. But there's never been one time in my life where I thought, wow, I really regret reading my Bible and spending time in God's Word. Because every single time that I read that Word and I think about it, and I take the time to allow it to affect my heart, God has transformed my perspective on my life, on my circumstances, my ability to love other people instead of just be about number one, which is my heart's default. It has changed. We have to be in God's Word if we want to grow this year. And so I want to encourage you guys, commit yourselves to that. Get in the Word personally. Um, but I also want to encourage you to get involved in a small group if that's not something you've done in the past. Whether that's here, whether that's with crew, CSF, I don't care where it's at. I just want you guys to be studying the Word and studying community because God oftentimes gives other people a totally different take on a perspective of a passage. Uh, different from my own. I can point to so many times where I've thought, wow, I, I thought I knew what this passage was saying, but man, Aaron really had a great perspective. Uh, that's something I love about being in a small group. And so I would just please, I, I'd love it if you would get involved in a small group this semester. Uh, one of my New Year's resolutions this semester is to take my scripture readings to heart, to make a real point of that. Because something I can find myself doing is reading it saying, this is good for me, this is good for me, okay, I read that. Next thing. Instead of really saying, so God, what are you saying here? And how does this match up with everything else I know to be true about you? What does this match, how does this match up with everything I know about this world that you've made and who you've made me to be as a follower of Jesus Christ? Uh, so something that I've decided to do is to, when I read a passage of scripture, I write down a one-sentence summary in a Microsoft Word document titled Devotionals 2016. And I can look back and say, this is something I learned on that day. And it's been incredibly helpful to me to actually think about what I'm doing enough to write a sentence about it, I can tell you, it's made a world of change. Um, so I don't know, maybe if you're looking for a resolution, that'd be something good for you too. Uh, you guys might remember this, when we started the semester last fall, I gave out these reading plans, 90 day reading plans. I don't know if you did one or not, um, it covered the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and also the book of Genesis. Um, so we did that in the fall, and I'm gonna give you tonight a six month reading challenge should you choose to accept it, you need more, we'll keep passing around. And so this reading plan will do the rest of the New Testament and also the book of Proverbs and Psalms. And so this is the first page of it, front and back. This will take you up through the middle of May. And if we're just all doing great, then I'll pass out the next page at the end of the semester. But here's the deal. It takes five minutes a day, five minutes a week. Two passages. So if you're going to read... Pardon me, you're going to read one chapter in Psalms and one chapter in Acts starting off. And I put a check beside each day once I've done it, and that keeps me on track. You know, got to be honest, there were days this fall where I'd miss a day, and then the next day I'd end up reading two passages. Or maybe I'd get to the weekend and be like, oh darn, i got to catch up. Um, but man, I'm so thankful I did that, and I, uh, I'm really looking forward to this semester's Bible reading as well. I hope you'll join us in that. The last thing that I want to encourage you to do is let's be a people of prayer, people who depend on God and rely on Him in prayer to sustain us because we, like David, find ourselves in circumstances that are totally out of our control. If you're a college student, you're probably looking at your future saying, God, I don't know what you have for me. Remind me that you're good. Remind me that you're wise. Remind me that you love me because I don't know what the future holds. 
And so we need to be people who rely on Him and people who depend on Him because God is faithful. He hears our prayers. He may not answer them in the way that we think He should based on our judgment, but God is fully wise. His judgment is fully, uh, man, it's fully developed. And I, I don't know what's best for myself. And so we all need to seek God and to implore that He would work on our behalf. And so let's be people of prayer this semester, people who are committed to going to God, being honest with Him, and asking Him to be the director of all of our lives, to give us faith to trust in Him. And so like David expresses here at the end of this psalm, when we know who God is, we trust Him with our lives and our circumstances, they may not necessarily change, but we can know that God will be with us and that He'll provide all that we need in the midst of them. So, as we conclude, let me ask you those questions we started off with. Where do you want to be in your walk of faith in Christ at the end of 2016? How do you want God to grow you? How do you want to serve Him and other people? And so I hope that from this message, you know the posture that your heart needs to take if those things are going to happen. And so I want you to think about later tonight, how do you need to prioritize your life and your schedule in order for that to happen as well? Dan, why don't you guys come forward and close us in a song. I'll pray for us right now. Father, thanks for this time we've had in your word. Thanks for um, being here with us. God, you guide us, you direct us, and uh, Psalm 63 speaks words that we all need to hear. God, we need to allow our hearts to be affected by your love. We don't just need good advice. We need good news. It's not changing our behavior that's our hope. It's knowing that we are people who are completely changed by you, all because of your grace that is our hope. And so, Father, give us faith to trust you. Give us faith to turn our hearts over to you, not to rely on the things of this world, to offer us what they never will be able to give us. God, help us to believe in the moments that we're tempted not to, that your love actually is better than life, that your love sustains us. Your love never fails. Your love is unchanging. And so, God, as we go back into school, I pray that we would be people who are so deeply affected by your love that it would just overflow from within our hearts, that we would be people who are eager to serve, people who are eager to put others before ourselves, people who would be willing to lay down our lives for our friends because of just such a deep understanding of what you've done for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.